Welcome to the Punctioni podcast, where we discuss health and wellness practices for those of us who don't feel that we quite fit in to the mainstream ideals of what it means to be fit and healthy. Hey, I'm Jo, and I'm committed to promoting body positivity, celebrating individuality, and through the stories of others, exploring personalized self-care practices so that we can all find our happiest and healthiest selves. In this episode, I will be taking you through the basics around the autonomic nervous system and the endocrine system, which both work to maintain balance in our body. Now, I'm not a medical practitioner, so I'm coming from the lens of being a yoga practitioner and having studied positive neuroplasticity training and all the sort of things around that. So I'm going to give you a basic introduction of what these uh, systems do in the body and also what we can do with regards to yoga asanas, breathing practices, and just really kind of maintaining that balance or doing our best to help to maintain that balance and support those systems as well. So let's dive in. The nervous system is a complex network of nerves and cells responsible for transmitting signals between different parts of the body. It's divided into two main components. So you've got the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. The central nervous system consists of the brain and spinal cord, whereas the peripheral nervous system branches out all the nerves from the central nervous system out to the rest of the body. One of the crucial aspects of the nervous system is its role in managing our stress response. When we encounter stressful situations, the body activates the fight or flight response, releasing hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. This response increases our heart rate, blood pressure, energy production, and basically it's preparing us to respond to the threat, whether we want to run away or whether we want to fight it. The problem is, is that we have this habit of staying in this fight or flight area. And when we do this, we end up in chronic stress. And when we're in chronic stress, it causes things like a weakened immune system, mental health problems like depression and anxiety, and also some physical Uh, problems as well where stress causes tension in the body. That's just a small list of what can happen if you experience chronic stress. Before we delve any deeper, I want to give you a little bit of a diagram of the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system and also get down to the elements of our nervous system that are responsible for the fight or flight. So you can kind of get an understanding of what they are. So let's take a look. Okay, so I am going to start drawing up here somewhere. I'm going to shift myself a little bit, adjust my mic, because I'm going to draw for you a diagram that kind of explains the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system, and then down to the bit of the nervous system I was just speaking of, which is actually the sympathetic nervous system. But let's let's take a look. So let's see if I can do this. So hopefully... I will be able to get this all done on one screen. If not, I'll start with one bit and then I'll erase the other because I'm kind of doing this live as we're uh, recording. So we have the central nervous system. So CNS, that's the central nervous system. And then this speaks to the peripheral nervous system, which is the PNS. My drawing is a little bit terrible. I do apologize. 
So the role of the PNS is to send communication out to the rest of the body, but it also receives communication in and sends that back to their central nervous system. So you then also have here the sensory division, and then you've got the motor, motor division. So the sensory division is the information coming in. And then the motive division is where the information goes out and communicates to areas of your body like the muscle to tell it to take action. So that's one level of the nervous system. So I'm going to erase that and get on to the bit underneath the motor division. Cool. Okay. So we're going to come back to that motor division. So I can draw something a bit bigger now. Motor division. Right. And then underneath the motor division, this is where it gets uh, interesting for our topic today. You have got the somatic. And, and that's the somatic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system. Don't know why I chose to write all of that out on this one and not on the other one. Right, so that is the next bit down. So the somatic is the voluntary things, somatic, voluntary. The autonomic is more of the things like your heartbeat. So your heart beats without you having to think of it. It's automatically happening. Uh, you could also consider your breath. It's definitely part of the autonomic nervous system, but it's magical in the fact that we can actually also can control our breath to tap into our nervous system. So I will be speaking a little bit more on that later in this video. Let's just erase that now. Okay. And then, so in the autonomic nervous system, which for today's video, I'm just going to call it the ANS, you have, I decided to shrink down at the size of my pencil, the parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system, and the sympathetic nervous system. When you use things like this, it makes you realize how terrible your writing has become when you don't do it very often. Okay. So for those listening, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. At the top of, if you imagine this, on the top of a page, if you can visualize it, you have the central nervous system in a box. Then underneath that, an arrow comes down and it shows the, um, the peripheral nervous system. And then underneath that block is two arrows and two blocks. In the left-hand side, you have the sensory division. And on the right-hand side, you have the motor division. We then just look at the motor division. And then underneath the block of the motor division, you have the somatic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system. Uh, and then we're looking specifically at the autonomic nervous system or the ANS. And underneath that, you have two 
sections or split into two bits called the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. So these are the two systems that I refer to quite a lot throughout any of the material that I write or speak about. And it's also something that I learned specifically through the studies that I did in the ancient Indian practice of yoga, because yoga can help to balance out these systems through different asana practices and breathing practices and meditation practices. And then I also learned quite a lot of it because I took a particular interest in the nervous system and also um, neuroscience in the brain and how how the brain uh, communicates to the rest of the body. What's interesting about this is you'll know the parasympathetic nervous system as the rest and digest mode. And you'll know the sympathetic nervous system as the fight, flight or freeze mode. Now, the sympathetic nervous system is the one that is triggered by the hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. And that's the go, the action, you know, you need to take action. It's really important. And as I mentioned in the video and or the episode that I did around mindfulness meditation and meditation in general and doing walking meditation, you do need to have this response because if you're too much in the rest and digest mode, you're just not going to get anything done. Like there is no action. Everything's just bleh. Whereas in if you're too much in the sympathetic mode, this is what I was saying earlier in this episode about being in chronic stress and how chronic stress could then actually weaken things like the immune system, etc. So that is the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. They're always working together to try and keep that balance. An example I, I like to refer back to about how the two systems should work when healthy is that if you're at the bottom of a stairs and you need to run up those stairs, you run up those stairs and the sympathetic nervous system kicks in and you get to the top of the stairs and go back to a normal walking pace, then your parasympathetic nervous system should kick in to bring your heart rate down, to bring everything back into normal. Because obviously when you take a, a run, like you sprint off really quickly, your system takes action. And so everything that you need to be able to do that quickly to get that energy is going to kick in, going to trigger. But what you want your system to be able to do after you've done that is the parasympathetic nervous system to come in and bring you back down to a level because you don't want to be running in a hypervigilant state constantly. Okay, so the next part I want to talk to you about is the endocrine system or endocrine system. And this is a network of glands and some organs that release hormones out into the body. With this central nervous system, with the nervous system, the information is traveled back and forth using neurons. And so it's quite quick. It depends obviously on the type of neuron. I'm not going to get into that today because I, one, I know very little about it. And two, that's not what this episode is about. But I do know that the, there is a difference in pace depending on the neuron and the way that the neuron is structured. That moves very quickly. The endocrine system the, with the, the hormones going out to glands and organs, it moves a lot slower and spreads a lot wider. And so any reaction from a hormone can sometimes take a little bit longer. And it does very much work closely with the autonomic nervous system to keep the body in balance. So 
I'm going to get back to my pen and paper because I want to talk to you or explain to you a little bit about the glands and the organs which are part of the endocrine system and what hormones are released and what those hormones do. First up, you have got the pineal gland. This is responsible for releasing, uh, well, I'm going to explain maybe like one or two hormones for each because some of them release multiple hormones. So I'm going to keep it down to just one or two. So one of the hormones that the pineal gland releases is melatonin and melatonin is responsible for regulating our sleep. You will have heard me speak if you've been following me for a while uh, been on my email list, listening to the podcast, you will have heard me speak about how actually to get the best sleep starts at the beginning of the day. And that's to do with exposing your eyes to light and triggering melatonin through the pineal gland. So first up, you've got the pineal gland and that's responsible for melatonin. Then you've got the pituitary gland, pituitary. This is really testing my spelling which there's a very good chance that it'll end up spelling something incorrectly. So the pituitary gland has got some other responsibilities, and I'll talk about them in a little bit, but it's the growth hormone. And so the growth hormone helps to regulate body composition, body fluids, muscles, and bone growth, and sugar and fat metabolism. So that's your pituitary gland. Then you've got the thyroid and the thyroid gland is responsible, I might as well put gland there as well. The thyroid gland is responsible for your metabolism. The hormone that it releases is called thyroxin. You then have the parathyroid. Parathyroid. And that is, I believe, responsible for the parathyroid hormone which regulates calcium levels in the blood. Next up, I don't know why I put that little dash there. Next up, you have the adrenal glands. Adrenal glands. You're probably already aware of what the adrenal glands do. This is your cortisol and your adre adrenaline hormones. And they increase your heart rate and your blood pressure. They're really very connected to the sympathetic nervous system, getting that action, taking action. You then have the pancreas. Now the pancreas is to do with your insulin. So this is regulating your blood sugar levels. Then you've got ovary, which releases um, estrogen and Oh, I'm going to say it wrong. Progestion. Estrogen regulates your menstrual cycle and progesterone prepares the body for pregnancy. And then you've got testes, which is a testosterone release. Estrogen and testosterone regulate sexual development. Testosterone also is responsible for like muscle development, bone density and things like that. So these are the main glands and organs of the endocrine system. And what I wanted to talk about a little bit more was the pituitary gland. So I'm just going to erase this lot here. And the pituitary gland, while the pituitary gland is part of the, the growth hormone, it actually secretes a lot of hormones that then trigger 
the release of hormones in the other glands. So the pituitary gland actually triggers, put these in, thyroid, uh, pineal, or pineal, adrenal, and the parathyroid. And what that does is it basically is the one that triggers those to then, for them to create their hormones. So just a reminder, I am going to refer to my notes here. The thyroid is thyroxin, which is your metabolism. Your pineal is the melatonin. So that regulates your cycle of your sleep. Your adrenal is your cortisol and your adrenaline. This is like increasing your heart rate and your blood pressure. And then your parathyroid is regulating your calcium levels in the blood. So the endocrine system and the autonomic nervous system have to work closely together to really get that balance and as I was saying earlier something that I found really interesting when I was researching this and I mean I've studied it over the last couple of years but you know I always like to go back and have a look and see to check to make sure the stuff that I know is still relevant and hasn't been disproved because that often often can happen in science and medical side of things but you know our nervous system responds very quickly to things whereas hormones respond a lot slower and so often I have personally found when I have felt imbalanced mentally I will go down the route of looking at practices that focus on the thinking side of things so the anxiety that I'm feeling the depression I'm feeling I will look at the thoughts that I'm happening how I can stop those thoughts what practices I can do to balance out the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system so that I'm not living so much in the sympathetic nervous system. So I look at those sorts of things, which are great. But as I've got older, I have very much realized that you need to take in consideration what's happening in your body hormonally. Now, this is a new avenue for me to look into. I'm trying out a couple of different things, but I imagine there's lots of women out there who, particularly if you were maybe born in the same era as I was, I don't know what it's like for young people today, but I've been on contraception since the age of 16 of some sort. I think I took a break once, but my body has been under hormonal control to prevent myself from having a child that it's very easy for me to forget that actually what if some of the experiences that I'm having are related to my hormones now often with that it's more that's more around the sex hormones so like for example acne if you were typically well I don't know if this is still the same but I was always taught if you get acne around here it's because of your hormones there are certain spots on the face that it comes up so it can be very frustrating as so when I was pointing I was pointing around my chin by the way for those listening acne around your chin it's always I've always been told is associated to hormones but I've personally found it very hard as I've got older you know I'm not a teenager anymore why have I got acne like I thought that stuff will have finished back then 
But of course, when you're looking at your mental and physical health, you do have to look at the systems holistically. You know, yeah, okay, I'm pulling out the autonomic nervous system and the endocrine system today, uh, but I am at least looking at both of those systems. And we will look at also things that you can do to help those systems find their balance. Okay, so we've looked at the autonomic nervous system, giving you a bit of a, a brief overview of that. We've talked about the endocrine system. And then I'm just checking my notes because I figured, you know, there's so much that goes on with each of these episodes, like memorizing everything is, you know, pretty much impossible. So I've got some notes that I've written down as well. Right. The other thing I wanted to talk about, and I'm afraid I won't be drawing any pictures for this, so I'm just going to have to describe it, is the vagus nerve and the role of the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is named after the Latin word for wandering, and it's a wandering nerve. And basically, it starts from your brainstem and one part of it goes down your body, across your throat, across your chest, into your abdomen. And the other part goes from the brainstem up into your face. This is the communication highway to the brain. It is very much, there is a lot of discussion around the fact of whether the information starts in your gut or starts somewhere else on the vagus nerve and then is sent to your brain or whether your brain sends the message down to through your vagus nerve. It is two-way system. But things like, for example, and this is where I think it's the other way around because there's been experiences that I've had where I have wondered, uh, you know, I've been told something, for example, and logically, I know that it's fine and what's going on is absolutely fine and I shouldn't really be concerned or whatever. But for some reason, I will feel it physically. I often feel a lot of my anxiety, for example, in my chest and sometimes in my belly. But if it's like proper anxiety, I know that sounds strange, but the alarm system is coming from my chest. That's what's triggering here. So that's the vagus nerve. Whenever you have a response to anything, like you might know butterflies in the stomach when you're excited, that's the vagus nerve. Stomach cramping, that's the vagus nerve. Uh, with your heart, uh, I think I explained this in the last episode about like if you've ever felt heartbreak and it actually genuinely feels like your heart's being squished, that is the vagus nerve. That's the, the message that's being sent there. Uh, but the other things that the vagus, uh, vagus nerve do is it's responsible for regulating your heart rate and your blood pressure, your digestion and your immune response. So it's not just like those things that I always talk about. I'm kind of relating them to how the vagus nerve is involved in the emotional response to something, because so often we can be we can think something is like I shouldn't be feeling this way. This is ridiculous but our body is responding in a different way. And so part of that is the vagus nerve. Hey everyone, I have a quick favor to ask. My podcast aims to empower those who feel they fit outside of the mainstream when it comes to keeping fit and healthy. And I really wanna help them to embrace their uniqueness and cultivate a very positive experience with holistic wellness practices. 
If you are yet to subscribe, please do so via your favorite platform. Or if you know someone else who would benefit from this show, please share the link with them. Your support means the world to me and together we can make a positive impact for ourselves and those around us. Thank you. So understanding the delicate balance between the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems highlights the importance of self-care and stress management. By taking care of ourselves, we're able to support these systems. We're able to help them in their quest for harmony. And so there are a lot of different practices that I've learned over the years that can help. And it's a bit like I was saying before, we don't want to be doing all the thinking. We can't think our way out of negativity. We can become aware of our thoughts and speak to ourselves differently, which can have an effect. But we've got to do some physical practices as well. So one of the key things that we can do that really taps into the nervous system uh, and this and this will also have an effect on the hormonal system, because remember, the autonomic nervous system and the endocrine system work together. So they're going to have an impact on one another. You can use your breath to help balance your nervous system or to help balance your autonomic nervous system. Certain breathing exercises will activate the parasympathetic nervous system. So as a reminder, the parasympathetic nervous system is the rest and digest. This is the one that helps you to feel calm, relaxed and safe. Like with any practice, the more you do it throughout your day, the easier it'll get to keep your body in balance. Something I've tried, but again, have got out of the habit of doing, however, found incredibly useful and would suggest that you also try this if you can, is I every day would take 15 minutes or 20 minutes out of my day to do a relaxation, do a body scan. I literally would just get onto something like Insight Timer, find a body scan that I liked and listen to that. And I actually genuinely felt that my physical tension and my mental tension dissipated from doing that practice. And I do need to do it again. And I just haven't got around to it. So, you know, hold my hands up saying that, of course, I am not perfect, but I do encourage you to at least try as well. So here are some of the benefits of breath work. Stress reduction. Breathwork and yoga can help to lower cortisol. If you do any kind of twisting, that's said to massage the adrenal glands. So it is said, particularly when I was doing the Kundalini yoga training, it is said that that helps to reduce adrenal fatigue. So it helps to reduce the overstimulation of your adrenal glands. Of course, yoga, breathwork, really encourage that practice of being in the present moment. I think often people forget when they do a physical yoga practice that, and this is why I love doing balancing practices like tree pose or warrior three or eagle pose, because it forces you to focus on what you're doing because you don't want to fall over. But so easy when we're doing a physical practice, we let our mind wander. That technique 
I know that people speak about getting into flow when creating music and stuff like that. But I think the active technique of being aware of how your body moves can be taken across lots of different activities. It's just that with yoga, you're also synchronizing your breath and you're moving through the postures. Again, with some activities, you could totally synchronize your breath. I absolutely use breath work exercises when I am on stage because performing in a band is fairly new to me. And so I want to make sure that I'm, I have a clear head and I'm feeling comfortable. And therefore I actually use yoga breathing practices to help bring myself to a more calm level so that I know what my hands are doing. Cause so often, like when I'm playing, I'll just like look at my fingers and be like, there's a disconnect. I don't know what's going on here. Um, but if I get back into my breathing and I bring my, uh, my, my nervous system back into balance, everything's okay. And I actually work through it and I have a lot of fun. So that that's something else, stress reduction. As I, I guess I've already mentioned this, but parasympathetic activation. So with the um, breath breathing and the yoga, particularly with the slow breathing techniques, that can stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system. If you are finding that you are in a constant hypervigilant state, doing breathing practices initially is going to be very hard because it'll be very hard for you to relax. So in that case, you might actually be better off doing a very mindful moving practice like a yoga practice, but really thinking about how the breath is moving with the yoga positions Or like I explained in the previous episode, do a walking meditation and begin to notice the experiences of the five senses. So notice the touch and the feel of things, how it feels with your feet, the air on your skin, the warmth of the sun on your skin. Use your sense of smell, you know, are there any fragrances that you can smell? And of course, if you have... The ability to see then use the sense of sight as well so when we're doing any type of breathing exercise that is slow we're actually activating the vagus nerve so the vagus nerve is connected to the parasympathetic nervous system i forgot to mention that earlier and that is what also helps to slow down the system and allow you to feel relaxed because the vagus nerve sends that information to your brain to say that you are safe and everything is okay rather than going in a a stage of alarm. This obviously helps to counteract the fight or flight response triggered by the sympathetic nervous system. Okay, since I underlined the other one, improved emotional regulation. Hopefully you can read this all right. By fostering self-awareness, we're able to, well, I believe we're able to look at the experience that we're having in a more objective way. 
it's very easy to emotionally get wrapped up in to a situation and the breath work can help to bring you to a place of almost balance so that you can reflect on what's going on in a non-judgmental way. The practice of self-compassion is incredibly hard for many of us. I find it very hard. What I go into a um whilst I wouldn't say I have negative self-talk, I must I must have it, but I don't have it to the point where I feel like it overwhelms me. My attitude towards it is very uh like build a bridge, get over it. You've got this. Like pretty forceful, maybe seen as aggressive or assertive rather than sometimes I should probably look at my experience and be like, it's okay to be sad about that. Or, you know, acknowledge what I'm experiencing, allow myself to sit in it rather than seemingly what I think is powering myself up, keep going, everything's grand type thing. Maybe I'm pushing it away a little bit. Breathwork really does help you to foster that sense of self-awareness and enables you to really, you know, have a non-judgmental view of your thoughts and emotions. And when you have that type of view, you can support better emotional regulation and resilience, particularly in times of adversity. And the final one is improved sleep. If your body is relaxed and you feel safe, it's going to be a lot easier for you to sleep. If your mind isn't rushing all the time, thinking about what happened that day that you regret and want to change, what might happen tomorrow that you're concerned about. It's very hard when you have something like anxiety or depression to get to sleep at night sometimes and then that when you don't sleep that actually just makes it worse and you end up in this terrible cycle as i said earlier the production of melatonin helps to regulate your sleep and one of one way of trying to regulate your sleep is to get outside first thing in the morning and get some some light it doesn't matter if it's not pure sunlight you're not staring at the sun either but you're outside you I think you need maybe five ten minutes of this you could have your cup of coffee if it's a cloudy overcast day you probably need like 20 minutes to 30 minutes uh, much longer but that apparently from studies that have been done I heard about this through the Andrew Huberman podcast so I'm not taking credit for this as my own studies this is work that he's done He talks about this quite a lot with sleep regulation and getting out early and what you can do. Um, Among other things, you know, obviously exercise and stuff like that. But it's a good start. First thing when you get up in the morning, get outside, get some sunlight, help to start regulating the melatonin release. A regular practice of breath work and yoga can improve your sleep because, as I said, it reduces the stress reduces your physical stress and it reduces your emotional stress. It promotes relaxation and it can also help regulate the body's circadian rhythm. I think with anything, 
Don't take on too much all at once. Find one thing and work on that. So if you are struggling with sleep at the moment and you haven't, you know, been diagnosed with insomnia because that's a very specific thing to be diagnosed with. But if you're struggling with sleep at the moment, the two things that you could try is, well, there's a couple of things you could try. You could try walking meditation to help you to relax. You could just do a normal relaxation for 15 minutes, listening to a body scan meditation, of some, a relaxation of some sort. Or you could get out early in the morning, be in the sunlight for a bit. One real thing to maybe consider if you're a coffee drinker is not to drink coffee after midday because that won't help you if you're struggling to sleep at night. Just saying. What I want to speak about now is the some techniques, some breathing techniques that you could try. So one of the breathing breathing techniques that you can try is diaphragmatic breathing. And what that entails is long, deep breaths where your belly, belly, where your belly expands and relaxes. If you are stressed, as I said earlier, it's very hard sometimes to do these practices, particularly if you, you'll notice the tension in your belly. Again, vagus nerve telling your belly something's not right, got to be tense, got to be ready to pounce, sympathetic nervous system engaged. And so it might take you a while to relax. If you're finding that, a really good position to get into for your diaphragmatic breathing is to lie down on your back in constructive rest pose. This is where you lie on your back uh, and instead of your legs being extended, your knees are bent. You can even knock your knees in towards one another so that they're supporting one another to encourage the relaxation. The reason why you might want to do this on the floor is that when you're breathing, your chest actually expands three ways. Your chest expands out to the front and out to the back and also into your belly, so your diaphragm as well. And so when you're lying on your back, you will feel your back press, press more into the earth as you breathe in and the uh, rib cage and everything expands and then it relaxes. So if you're finding it difficult initially to get your belly to relax, you might be able to focus on that area of your back and you'll begin to feel that expand. And the more you do it and particularly having a long out breath, that really stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system that will help you to relax more deeply. The next one is alternate nostril breath. And this is from the ancient practices of India. I want to acknowledge that the yoga that I have been trained to teach has been has derived from the ancient practices of yoga from India. And the alternate nostril breath is where you use your hands and so you place your thumb over your, your right thumb over your right nostril and you inhale slowly through your left nostril. So you're going to hear that I'm all bunged up at the minute because I've blocked one side of my nose. So I'm breathing in through my left nostril. 
And then I place my forefinger or my middle finger on my left nostril, release the thumb from my right nostril and breathe out through my right nostril. Then I breathe in through my right nostril. Then I close my right nostril with my thumb, release my left nostril, breathe out. And you continue with that pattern for as long as you like. If you're just starting out, just try a minute, see how you go. Uh, so often people actually place the two middle fingers of their hand um, on the third eye. So they place that there and then they use their thumb to block the right nostril and their pinky or their small finger to block the left nostril. Up to you how you want to do it. You can do the basic version I've just shown you or you can do a more traditional version where the, the fingers uh, are pressing on the point between your eyebrows. A yoga posture that is good is the child's pose. There are a couple of options for child's pose. Often people do child pose where they basically sit on their heels and then they fold forward, let their forehead rest towards the earth and then they have their arms directly out in front of them. That's one way of doing child pose. Another way is taking those arms around to your feet and so you're still resting your forehead towards the earth. If you're finding that you need to create a bit more space for your torso, you can take your knees nice and wide and that creates more space for your torso. I also say to people that if they want to, they can take their hands and place them on top of one another and then rest their forehead on top of their hands if they like. It's, you've, you will need to potentially adjust to make it feel comfortable for you. One of my favorites to do is legs up the wall. Again, this is something that I discovered through yoga and you can kind of do it anywhere. You can do it with your legs up the back of your couch. You could do it in the middle of the room. You could have like pillows supporting underneath you if you wanted. You could do it on the side of your bed. So you turn around if your bed is up against the wall, I suppose, and do it on the bed. What's good about this, particularly if you are able to raise your buttocks a little bit as well, this pose and also bridge pose, they tap into or squeeze the, the neck a little bit. So you're not putting pressure on the neck, but when you're lying down, your neck is kind of compressed a little bit. And this taps into what's known as the bararefflex, and that regulates the blood pressure and actually forces the blood pressure to, um, or your heart rate to reduce. So it's interesting when you do things like legs up the wall or bridge pose to understand why it is that it has that relax. And part of it is also because I should say that your heart is above your head. So it's got, it's got something to do with the position of the organs and the position of your legs and whatnot. But that's also from a physical point of view, what's going on there. And of course you can do corpse pose or shavasana. 
where you lie down flat on your back, your legs, uh, I always say legs as wide as your mat. If you've not got a mat, then they're a couple of feet apart. Your arms are out to the side, uh, away from your body, palms facing up. And you can lie there and focus on your breath, listening to some music that you find relaxing. And you want to do it for maybe five to 10 minutes. Now, for a lot of people, that type of posture actually does not make them feel relaxed. It actually increases a sense of insecurity and non-safety. So when I teach a relaxation, I often do a moving relaxation. And what I'll do is if you're on my mailing list, I will add a recording to this month's Timely Thought newsletter so that you can experience what that moving relaxation is if you haven't already. Rightio. So that's actually it for this episode. In this episode, I took you through the basics of the central nervous system. And specifically, we looked into the autonomic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system, sympathetic nervous system, a little bit about the functions of the vagus nerve. And we also looked at the endocrine system. So we looked at the glands and the organs that are in the endocrine system. We talked about how the messages from the endocrine system, the hormones going out is a much slower. And so the reactions to that and the results of that are slower. And that if we are experiencing any type of imbalance, not just to think it's the nervous system or not just to think it's something physical. We we do have a habit of like we've hurt our shoulder and we just focus on the shoulder, whereas actually the shoulder could be actually a result of something that we're doing with our hand. I know that that's a physical example, but it's the same when it comes to your mental health. You might be experiencing anxiety. You think it's got something to do with uh, your mental ability to overthink, to do, um, I guess, you know, you maybe you're drinking too much. Maybe you're smoking too much. There are so many aspects of our lives, the hormones, what we're consuming food and beverage wise, but also the information we're consuming and how that affects us emotionally. So bringing in a little bit about the endocrine system in this episode was to just let you know some of the hormones and which the glands um, activate and how that can have an effect on the body. And then of course, bringing it back to the area that I am most proficient in out of everything that I talk about is breath work and yoga and how you can use that to balance out your nervous system and your hormonal system as well. So I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode. If you liked this episode, please like, subscribe to the channel and turn notifications on so that you're kept up to date with all future episodes that I release. And until next time, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Peace and punk.